Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Good morning, church. We continue our series on it just doesn't make any sense. I'm going to tell you right now, it'll never make any sense until you step out in faith and do what God asks you to do. And then it might start making sense because when God is involved in things, I'm telling you, we don't get it. He goes way beyond our comprehension, our understanding of his word. We just, we don't get it. A couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, working. If you want to earn money, you've got to work for it, right? Don't be one of those individuals that want to sit at home and, and gimme, gimme, gimme. And if you want to uh, enjoy that earning that you worked hard for, you've got to learn to manage it well or it's going to stress you out. And today we're going to be talking about testing. This is our third message on it, but testing. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Malachi chapter 3, Old Testament, just before uh, Matthew. And uh, Malachi chapter 3, and kind of hold that. But let me ask you a question. How did you feel when your teacher, if you were in junior high, high school, your teacher would say, get your pencils out, we're having a pop quiz. What'd you do? I panicked. I hated it. I hated when teachers did that. Oh, tomorrow we're going to have a test over everything we, we've learned. I'm like, what did we learn? That's where my mind would go because I would always think about all those times that I gave or my mom and dad helped me with any work I might have taken home or my smarter siblings would help me out and I didn't learn a cotton-picking thing. Or, or the many times that, that I, again, I would listen to the lectures and not pay much attention. I wouldn't take any notes and I wouldn't have anything written down to study over again. And it just stressed me out. You panic and you come up with a plan to pass a test by writing answers on the top of your tennis shoes. You remember doing that? People my age, we used to do that all the time. And don't tell me I'm the only one in here. You used to write the answers on the edge of your pencils or you might write them on the palm of your hands or on the flap of a, a hat or you know, inside your book in, in little bitty crib notes they called it. How many of you used to do that? Be honest. Come on. We're in church. Okay. There's some of you who are going to make it to heaven. Now imagine, imagine you are the teacher and God is the one taking the test to see if he will honor his promise. This test is called a tithe or offerings. You're like, oh, here we go again, talking about money. We said we were going to be talking about money for a few weeks here, but this is about money as a whole, finances. And what we do with God, what God, what God has blessed us with. So tithing or giving generously as God has prospered you is the practice of the giving one-tenth or ten percent of one's income back to God. Now, a tithe is ten is percent because the Bible, as well as ancient culture, uh, says that the tenth symbolized the total. 
And so the same is still true today. A, co a committed follower of God knows that everything belongs to him and that giving a tithe or a tenth back to him is an expression of our worship and our trust. And it's pretty clear how the faithful tither's perspective is completely opposite of the lifestyle of the rich and famous fool found in Luke chapter 12 that we've been studying. But before we learn uh, more about this testing of God thing, let's look a little more at this rich man, okay? Because this guy actually thought he had passed every health, uh, wealth test imaginable that mattered to anybody. And look at how good his life had become. He had his wealth, which is said in great crops. His financial strategy was to build more barns. His health for many, many more years. And his fun plan was to make merry, to eat and enjoy life. By every standard that the world has to offer or expects from success, he was the poster child. He had it made. Or did he? This story is not necessarily about wealth or money, but that this man didn't have anything in his investment account with God. He wouldn't put God to the test to see if God would honor his word to, 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 or so that he could share with others. And he just had no reason... No reason at all to be rich toward God because he depended upon himself. And it's too bad that this rich man didn't let God uh, take the test because the context of Jesus' teaching in the middle of this Jewish uh, dispute over an, over an inheritance indicates that this rich man certainly knew what Malachi said. That's why he was bringing it all up. Jesus' listeners would have been quite familiar with the important teachings about giving and the overall concept of managing money. Had the rich man uh, only trusted in God and given a tithe, he would have been uh, blessed even more by the Lord. And so the rich man's problem was that he didn't trust God enough to find out what God would do after the tithe was given. He, he didn't go there. And so in the rich man's case, all he cared about was what? Himself. After all, he, now, he was now ready to take life easy and eat, drink, and be merry. In one sense, he had it made, but in another sense, his life was a complete failure because he never saw a reason to become rich toward God. So now let's look at Malachi chapter 3 with Luke, the Luke teaching uh, being fresh on our minds here about being rich towards God and, and being generous uh, it, 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 because, because if, if, if it's right there fresh in our minds, then maybe it'll give you a little better understanding of what Malachi is trying to say here. Because people get confused when they find out that God actually told his followers to put him to the test because typically when someone put God to the test, they were put six foot under in Scripture. We're not, we're not allowed to put God to the test, and that's why it is an unusual passage because it tells us to test God by tithing. By our tithes and offerings. Back then, the Israelites were to bring a full 10% of their crops, remember they were an agrarian economy, into the temple storehouse. And that made it possible for the priests to feed the poor and receive support for their living expenses. And so in Malachi chapter 3, it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that you will not have enough room for it all. 
Test me in this, God says. Usually any testing talked about in the, in the Bible is God testing us, right? King David writes in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart and, and, and test, me, uh, uh, test me and know my anxious thoughts. And so the word test carries this idea of checking something uh, out to see if it's genuine. And when God used the same word for test in Malachi, he was giving his people an opportunity to see firsthand if he would be faithful to them. Now the crazy thing about this testing of God in Malachi is that the entire book describes the Jewish people, how the Jewish people were nothing more than moral and spiritual failures. Uh, they, when, when they worshipped, they offered blind and crippled and diseased animals. They uh, offered their bruised uh, uh, vegetables and fruit to, for God for a sacrifice. They, their leftovers might find their way back to God. That was the mentality. And the religious teachers stopped caring as they watered down uh, God's commands and allowed the people to stray from his ways without any correction. And so God expresses his displeasure with strong uh, rebukes for their lack of faithfulness uh, to give a tithe of their crops and income back to him so their resources could be used to care for the poor and the living expenses of his servants. And so he reached out to Israel in love and mercy over their, their blatant violation of the covenant relationship with him. And he used tithing as one of these trigger points for their, their decision to recommit themselves back to him. And it was a time for the teacher to show the student how faithful he was and, and to, uh, was to an unfaithful people. Their place was simply to trust and follow. And so the promise of so much blessing is interesting because there are hundreds of verses that describe God's uh, many ways that he pours out blessings on his people. David in Psalm chapter 1 writes, Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like the tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers a person who delights in the lord and meditates on his word receives great wisdom and spiritual insight this person will have a solid foundation for life and hard times won't cause them to buckle under any kind of pressure whether it be financial emotional or spiritual or any other kind of stress because god says whatever he does will prosper now, there are certainly lots of opinions and ideas when it comes to increasing your wealth, but at the end of the day, only God knows what's going to happen, right? James chapter 4 talks about this. If you want to read that, James chapter 4. But it makes sense to trust and follow all that he tells us to do because he will pass the test, and tithing is an illustration of his faithfulness. But Tim, you know, do I really have to tithe? Why do you always got to talk about this? We don't talk about this all the time, every three, four, five years. I I, can, I, can I test God in some other area of my life? Why? Well, because it's my precious. That's what we think of our money. It belongs to me. I worked hard for this. I guess you can you know, but then you're going to be missing the whole point of testing God in your tithing because the interest will be greater than your investment. You've got to get a hold of that. Think about what God is doing here. What is the number one uh, concern most people struggle with in life? Anybody? 
money. Think about that. If you can trust God with your money, then you can trust God with everything else. That was Jesus' point of Luke chapter 12. Now, saying all that, please don't start thinking that tithing is some kind of magic bullet for all your bad financial management. That's on you, not God. All right? But there is a way out of the mess that you've gotten yourself into. You work, you manage, you pay off your debts, and I don't care how far back your debt goes or, or what reason you didn't pay for a service rendered, then you go back and you pay your debt. Show, be a person of integrity here. Some, some of you have heard tithing taught in such a way that if you fail, then God is going to punish you worse than you, you were the devil himself. Stop thinking like that, okay? That is not even scriptural. Don't believe it, and then don't get discouraged and not show up or tune me out uh, while we're talking about the blessing of properly managing money because there's huge blessings in this, and it comes from the word of God. God give God an opportunity to teach you something that you never knew about. Something that he wants to bless you with. You might even hear why there is a delay between the time you do start uh, giving and the time that you're going to start seeing results, okay? Uh, this is going to happen from time to time because everybody wants that immediate satisfaction right now. I gave $5 today. I expect $500 back. That's not how this works. I mean, Miss Terry and I can tell you firsthand that God is not lying when it comes to trusting him with our finances. Since we've been here, we have tied to this church over and above, even when we could not afford it. Talk to my wife. If you don't want to believe me, talk to her. Miss Terry's not going to lie to you. I might once in a while, but she won't. And believe me, there have been times that I wanted to pull back on my tithe when, when, because of things that were going on, but I had to remain faithful to my God. I'm to put him to the test, not mankind, because my blessings come from God, not man. Jeremiah 33 says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And this is one of the topics where, where the Lord wants to show you things you do not know and the end result will be very good. Hear me. Tithing does not earn you or me anything. It doesn't earn us more money, and it certainly doesn't earn us salvation. While we can uh, never earn our blessings, the Lord wants to us to understand that we can miss a boatload uh, of blessings from him, from him because of our lack of trust in him. We don't earn those blessings. God wants to give them to us. Malachi 3.8 says, The whole nation of Israel had robbed God and was under a curse because of their failure to tithe. By not giving a, the tenth back to the Lord uh, from Le Leviticus chapter 27, they had robbed him and themselves of the opportunity to be blessed and to be a blessing to other people. His strong language here shows us that God wanted their attention. And, and, and they were violating a fundamental principle of his plan for his people, which was consistent and faithful giving. Because when we give, God's kingdom continues to move forward. Through God's love, or even though God's love is unconditional, many of his blessings are conditional. And they are based on our decisions and follow through. If, if the use of the phrase under a curse or robbing God hurts your feelings, it's your conscience, the Holy Spirit, trying to convict you that something is not right. And it's not God who's not right, it's your heart. 
Some Christians today question the validity of God's promise to pour out blessings. Uh, they argue that Malachi is in the Old Testament and only refers to people who are under the law uh, of Moses and that Christians today really aren't really required to tithe. And like I said last week, I totally disagree with that because of what Jesus said in Matthew 23 where he says, practice the latter without neglecting the former. He was talking about tithing there. Don't neglect that, but most certainly do not neglect the grace and mercy part of, of the kingdom work here. And so rather than argue uh, with you about a tithe, a better question might be, do you want to be blessed by God? How many of you want to be blessed by God? Every hand? There is clearly a link between giving and receiving. God will most definitely stop or hand out small blessings to us as a direct result of our lack of trust in financial giving to support kingdom work. The New Testament is clear on this. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given to you for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What's the size of your measure? Leftovers? 1%, 5%, 9%? I hope it's not less because the measure you use will affect the result or return on whatever you are rich toward God with. Think about that. God's ready. He's ready to throw at us. Thinking, oh, gosh, here we go again. They only gave me that. But you remember the, 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 the widow and her, her, two, her, two, her two cents? She sacrificed big time, and God saw that, and God blessed her. So much more than, than the people who are throwing their coins in to be heard by everybody else. But Paul writes in Corinthians, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Clearly, God loves for his people to enjoy giving. He never intended it to be something you check off your to-do list for fear of, you know, do it or else kind of thing. Nor should we tithe like we're paying some monthly bill. That's not what this is about either. He wants it to be a willing choice created from a cheerful and trusting spirit. And as people who are under grace, according to Paul in Romans chapter 6, we should never, uh, we should never need a command in order uh, to, to want to, to be a blessing or receive a blessing blessing from God. God should never have to command this. We should want to do this. It goes on to say in Corinthians chapter 9, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And this is all the reason I need to put God to the test by trusting him with my tithing and being rich towards him. Because he's given me all that I have. Giving money is not the point, though. It's merely a, an application of God's point. Our Heavenly Father cares about all of our needs. The Hebrew writer even affirms this in Hebrews chapter 13. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we, have, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What could man do to me? That's from God himself. The point is our faith, our trust in God. Christians should be asking in reference to our tithing, do I have faith in God to provide for me after I start my tithe? Both the Bible or the Old Testament and New Testament actually teaches us that small giving equals small, uh, a small receiving. Is that what you want? A small blessing from God? I don't. God made a promise. 
He told me to test him. God will not guarantee a specific financial result. He, he doesn't present himself as some type of heavenly, you know, vending machine or Santa Claus or ATM. But one thing I've heard from those who, who do trust God with their finances is that they know in their hearts that whatever God has returned to them, God was responding to their faith. And, and th that church is, is, is tangible confirmation that God was personally involved in their lives. And that, that particular blessing is priceless, knowing that God is working in your life. God wants to prove how faithful and powerful he is to those who are rich toward him. And instead of worrying about how much you might need to increase your giving, begin looking for, for how God has already come through in your life. His response may surprise you because there are consequences according to chapter 3, verse 11, if we continue robbing God. Now, you might think that since God is, is talking about an agrarian a culture that it doesn't apply to us, you, you might just want to think about that before you live like this doesn't apply to any one of us in this room. Be careful that you keep the faith perspective here because tithing is not some kind of you know, protection racket where you, you feel forced to tithe or else. Remember that God paid a very heavy price for our debt of sin with his own son. And so he's not going to be asking us to do something that he has not already done. And he gave his all. Look at your own life. Are you pleased or disappointed with your employment and income situations or levels? Are you joyful with what's going on in your personal life? Or are you content with what God has already blessed you with? Because if any kind of hardship is a rule of the day in your life, check to see if you're being rich toward God and trusting him. Because there might be a correlation. The heart of God is, is to free us from the effects of, of, lack, of our lack of trusting. And according to Malachi 3.7, all we have to do is return to him. That's what it says here. He doesn't require us to pay back anything. He simply says return. This means to, to trust his faithfulness in providing for our needs. Okay? That's, that, that happens when we test him and trust him with our tithes and offerings so that the gospel of Christ continues to reach all generations. And that's our topic for next week. But 3.12 says, Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Think about that. Whenever Israel followed God and trusted him, they were blessed. And when they weren't, they were cursed. Think about America. At what point did we stop being blessed by God? Oh, wait a minute, when we took our eyes off of him. When everything else mattered in this world, rather than God himself. Uh, he wants the nations, the unbelieving world, to see that God's people are blessed. He wants our lives to be described as a delight to all who recognize that you and I walk with Christ, his son. And when Israel failed to tithe, the temple storehouse was empty of the crops people were to give God, to which, which supported God's ministry and fed the poor, or an entire community during a famine. If you remember the story of Joseph and Pharaoh, uh, Genesis chapter 41, read that story because it's a beautiful story. This passage from Malachi has such practical applications for every generation. And when the body of Christ ties our blessings into the storehouse of the church, we are fulfilling God's, God's expectations here. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Now about the collection uh, for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, which is what for us? Sunday. 
Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. So Paul was a traveling preacher. He knew there was people across the, the known world at that time, Asia Minor, that churches and just individual people that needed help. And if the churches were able to collect a, uh, an offering and, and filling God's storehouse, and he was able just to come and say, hey, I need this for this church or this person. John 3, 17 says, and this is right after John 3, 16, you know what that says. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? In our tithes and offerings, we are providing financial resources to support all kinds of ministries that create opportunities for the world to experience God and preferably have their lives transformed. But the sad reality, the average, on average, uh, the Christian, uh, church, Christian person only gives 2 or 3% of their income back to the Lord's work. 2 or 3%. It's a far cry from what God said. Now, don't misunderstand, any amount, is given, any amount that is given is important, but can you imagine the impact every Christian, if every Christian gave a minimum of 10% of their income back uh, and becoming rich toward God's, what the church across the world would be able to do? Ministry would explode, and the world would sit up and take notice because God's people would be serving and giving and loving in all corners of the world. One study calculated that if all the Christians in the church, the churches across America lost their jobs and they, they were tithing from their welfare checks at today's uh, amount for what they get per month now, tithing would increase by 42%. That's insane. That's off welfare checks. Tithing is, is really a standard we need to help us to step up to be a consistent and generous giver, someone who is learning to be rich toward God. Left to our own human nature, we kind of tend to aim a little low, don't we? We, we know uh, we should give to God, but we're afraid to start the tithe. I've already got a few questions on that one from some people. And again, if you have any questions, please Please uh, do it online, or there's a box out there. Put your questions in there, and we'll try to answer that in a couple weeks here. But God is the one taking the test here, and you and I start the testing by tithing. And in doing so, it will, it will also stretch and grow and strengthen our own walk with Christ. Remember, God owns everything, and, and, and he created all things. And so it's clear that he doesn't ask us to give because he needs our money. He, God asks us to give because we are the ones who need it. The purpose of this series is not to establish some legalistic mindset forcing you to tithe. Uh, we, we don't want to reproduce, if you will, replicate the same circumstances and, and, and conclusions in Malachi chapter 3. But there are several things about being rich toward God that are still valid for us today that were applicable in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The tenth is a symbol of the whole, of the total here. Generous giving or being rich toward God of at least 10% indicates that I accept God as God's lordship over my life, even in my finances. And people matter to God, and ministry is an extension of that which makes a difference in people's lives throughout the world. Generous giving or being rich toward God of at least 10% demonstrates my desire to partner with God and serve other people so that gospel message gets out there. And the amount I give impacts the amount, I, the, the amount received, right? Uh, generous giving or being rich toward God of at least 10% demonstrates my convictions that the passages in Matthew chapter 23 and Luke chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 9 are still true today. The word of God is living and active. God will always be with me. 
because generous or, or being rich towards God of at least this 10% he's talking about expresses my trust in him to, to, to faithful, to fulfill the promises of this passage in Matthew 6, Philippians 4, uh, Hebrews 13, and Malachi chapter 3. We can go on all day, all week about scripture relating to the subject matter, but I don't want to bore you. The real issue is not about giving 10%. It's about managing the entire 100%. You're investing 10% uh, uh, while God helps you and I manage the other 90%. That's what's taking place here. And once we settle that in our heads, it, it positions our hearts and our minds and our lives to receive incredible blessings beyond our understanding. That's what he's talking about. And prayerfully, by now, you, you clearly see that God's words are definite. You, you're not going to change. You can't add to or subtract from the word of God. <clears throat> God wants us to realize that the big test is his. That he and he alone is to be the focus of our faith. With all that said, we, would, we, we should focus, uh, we should know that we should never give just to get. Jesus himself said it's better to give than to receive. And we certainly shouldn't give out of guilt. The cool thing about testing God and finding out his word is true is hearing it from people who have actually put God to the test. I've mentioned a couple names last week. Eric Morris, Edward Enders. I know many people who made financial commitments to tithe who weren't sure how they would be able to follow through on their decisions. Like, oh my gosh, I stepped out a little too quickly. No, it's about trust. It's about faith. Within weeks or during that year, they learned how God provided for them. Again, testimony in this room, there's many of you that can do this. You've got, you had new jobs offered, surprise raises, unexpected insurance checks, or IRS returns, a gift from a friend, someone who actually paid money back that they borrowed from you that you thought was gone forever, uh, an inheritance, a retirement check, blue chip winnings. Yeah, I know where some of you are. Believe me, I, I've, I've got a friend who works in a back room. And I, gosh, Tim, you got a lot of your... People that come here, <laughs> I go, well, you work there. <laughs> and while it's true that the test in tithing should be understood as God's test, our human instinct always leads us to think that we're the ones being tested, right? And I guess it kind of makes sense. Uh, but our test is whether or not we're going to trust God and start being rich towards him as he asks of us and as he's the one taking the test. Sometimes we'll see immediate results when we start to tithe, and sometimes, you know, after, after finally trusting God, we don't see any sudden changes. And no, no pun intended there. It's as if God went on a coffee break or went, uh, you know, AWOL when it came to passing out blessings to you after you began to trust him. Like, where are you, God? During these times of perceived silence, we come up against this real temptation to think, I tried that, test, that, that tithing thing and it didn't work. But committed tithers will tell you that there have been incredible blessings from God in times where there seemed to be nothing. These types of situations call for greater faith than ever before, don't they? The battle belongs to the Lord, according to David, when he fought his giant. Follow the teachings he has provided and trust that he knows our every need. He's going to take care of you. We, we continue to give as we have prospered, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And in America, uh, the wealth we enjoy should be no less than 10% because we know that God can do more with 90% than we can with 100%. 
Pastor Tim. God told us to test him and that he would pour out all these wonderful blessings beyond our imagination. That is correct. And he will keep his promise to you in some fashion, but also keep in mind, sometimes God's word uh, describes what the test can feel like according to Proverbs chapter 13. Solomon says this, hope deferred or hope denied makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. What do you call that? Patience. Patience. If you are trusting the Lord, walking by faith and waiting to, for God to make a, a good on his promise, then you know how well this verse describes the restless feeling that you have once in a while. Waiting is good, but waiting and waiting and waiting can push you and I uh, to the edge of discouragement and even doubt. The, the, the fact remains that we often experience a time of waiting between when we allow or follow God and when we see results. And, and, when, you're, and when you experience that, will you continue to remain faithful to God and his promise? Even those of us who aren't farmers know that there is always a waiting time between sowing and reaping. The same is true in most businesses. When you trust the law of the harvest, the time between when you sow and when you reap is, a harvest, is, is called faith. Your delay may be due to timing. You, you may be prepared and, and ready for the blessing, for, but God still may be preparing that situation for you, or he may be preparing someone else who is not yet ready that's part of your blessing. There's all kinds of stuff, stuff going on here. But let me, let me ask this question. How prepared are you to manage a financial increase in your life? Because for a lot of people, expenses rise along with income. Look at those who win the lottery. Their lives are ruined because they don't know how to manage. And so if you're not ready, you might be in the same situation sooner than you think. It's called financial maturity or management. Even though you are starting you know, to, uh, to, to, to being rich towards God, you may not be ready for the overflow without putting yourself in harm's way. And God is not going to work like that. And, and what is your motivation? Is it to honor God, help those in need, share the blessings, or, or build bigger houses and barns so that you can store all your toys in that you can afford or, afford, or now afford? The rich fool is proof enough for, of this reason. We must always see financial blessings as an additional way to grow in being rich towards God. Because the more uh, you put him to the test, the more he blesses. Which affords you to enjoy and be more generous. And, and that's, that is where the enemy, Satan, takes opportunity to kill, steal, and destroy any plans that God had to increase your blessings. Satan will put all kinds of obstacles and doubts in your way to discourage you and get you, again, to doubt God here. And when you take uh, the step of faith in any area, the enemy is going to oppose you. That's the word of God says that, according to uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter uh, 6. But he says, stand your ground. Stand your ground. God may be preparing you for something that no one can anticipate, and your willingness to stay tough and true could be part of that whole training process in your life. And when it comes to finances, in Luke chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus asks this very interesting question. So if, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who is going to trust you with true riches? Because we think worldly wealth, wealth is the true riches, but God says, uh-uh. You're missing, you're missing it. And I wonder what Jesus was referring to when he talked about true riches. 
For the rich fool, it would have certainly meant another opportunity to give while being rich toward God. But even beyond giving, what are these true riches he's talking about? They include answered prayer, the salvation of loved ones, receiving peace that passes understanding, uh, health, a job, a roof over your head, food on your table, uh, and so on. Make your own list of how, about how God has blessed you. How has he just naturally blessed you? Write it down. Some uh, things will make sense and other things will not. But your faith in the Lord and the law of the harvest will provide for you a fresh, uh, a fresh courage and joy and peace and contentment and hope. And as long as you have hope, then you have faith. His fingerprint is all, all, every, over every one of our lives. You know it and I know it. His hand will continue to shape our circumstances as he shapes our heart and our character. And when we put our God to the test as he asks regarding our tithes and our offerings, he will come through. The question is, will you? The more we are rich toward God, the more we see his hand in our lives. As Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This doesn't belong to us. This belongs to God. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. That's a promise from the Lord of all lords, the king of all kings, the, the, the very one who created this world, this universe, who gave us life. Test me in this, he says. What will you do? Let's stand and let's, uh, let me close or have a word of prayer and then go into a worship of our one true living God. Father, we praise you. Father, I thank you for Malachi's words. Sometimes this stuff is hard to hear. But Father, you know what's best. If anything, we give back to you because you've given us life. I pray, Father, for those who worship here. Those who are here physically today, those who are watching online, I, I pray, Father, that you will convict us. Help us, Father, to actually trust you and put you to the test. I mean, you made a promise. And I don't know at any point in Scripture that I've read that you've ever broken a promise. I pray, Father, that we will trust you, that we will learn to work hard and, and to manage, put you to the test. Because you're, you're a heavenly father. You're, you're the only God out there who wants to bless his people. And you've already demonstrated that through the history of the Jewish nation. Even America. Any nation who has put you first. And I pray, Father, that we would fall on our knees and repent of our wicked ways. And that we would call out to you asking you to forgive us. And giving us an opportunity to show that we truly trust you. We believe things that we say we believe father i pray that you be with each family uh, as they are about to leave this building that the church will go out there and, and spread the gospel of jesus christ because that's what all this is about lord we love you we honor you we thank you in the name of jesus if you found value in this message then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel and if you know someone who needs to hear this message then please share it with them NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. 
Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.